Fast Cars in Slow Motion, Part 4, by Lynn Essie, narrated by Elizabeth Somerville. Alaska Everyone I worked with in Alaska was utterly on fire for God. Sometimes the conversations reminded me of Theo. And we were seeing miracles all the time. People were being healed. You see, Alaska had an incredibly high suicide rate. Sometimes we would see these dead-looking people slowly dragging themselves through life, sulking in their seats. But then they would hear the gospel, and suddenly they were like Moses coming down from the mountain, glowing brilliantly. Other times it was a slower progression, with little improvements every time we saw them. The days turned into months, and one day you realize it's a different person standing before you. We had so many resources for these people. Professional counselors, hot meals, shelter, etc. Best of all, the gospel. There were also, of course, people who rejected the message, but I like to tell myself we at least planted seeds. One day, I heard two girls talking about a particular Theology with Theo video they'd seen. I didn't tell anybody there that I had been involved with him, and none of them seemed to recognize me from those niche Twitter threads. I missed him, but it only hurt if I stopped long enough to think about it. Good times. Sounds like you had the time of your life. Do you still live in Alaska? The woman asked. No, I don't. But you're right, it was a great time. Until this one day in late November, I said. Why is that? The woman asked. Because that was the day Ryan died. Death. I felt my phone repeatedly buzzing during the Sunday morning service. In the words of C.S. Lewis, Pain insists upon being attended to, the pastor said. The buzzing in my pocket didn't relent. It was Fred. I got a sharp pain in my stomach. I stepped out into the hall. Why aren't you in church, Freddy? I asked. Ryan's dead, he said. What? I asked, just above a whisper. I leaned against the wall and slowly slid down until I was sitting on the floor. What? I asked again, this time too loud. I suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt this unreal reality suddenly thrust itself upon me. You gotta come home now, Lucia, Fred said. And I did. I flew back home in time for the funeral. It was close to Christmas break, so I got special permission to stay home the rest of the semester. That sick feeling I had gotten in my stomach when the phone wouldn't stop buzzing still hadn't left. And now my mind was playing this movie in a loop. The movie starts back in kindergarten. Ryan and Fred pulled at my braids. Then to fifth grade, when Fred, Ryan, and I snuck out of service to play with the youth group room toys. Then to eighth grade, 
when John Gaynor called me a bad word and Ryan pushed him. In 10th grade, when he got the four-wheeler stuck that very first time, knocking over shelves at the food pantry all through college. Then the movie skips to Kelsey and Ryan dancing in Bingley's parking lot. How he looked at her, like he'd take a bullet for her right then and there. Even when they fought, we all knew he would. Then picturing Kelsey hearing the news. Though I hadn't been there, there was no possible scenario that wasn't excruciating. That was Kelsey's husband, the love of her life. And I see his younger sister and parents flash before my eyes, and I'm sure I'm going to vomit again. How are they ever supposed to move on from that? How is anyone? It was a car accident, by the way. People always want to know the cause. I thought about Ryan, of his contagious smile, his charm and wit, how he could get away with anything because nobody could stay mad at him, how he was funny and talented, how he loved Jesus and would worship with his hands completely up, not caring at all that he was six foot five and nobody could see over him, his black acoustic guitar with the stickers and all of his favorite songs. Everyone was at that funeral. The whole town of Knightley, North Carolina, it felt like. Everyone was quiet. Everyone's eyes were swollen and red. I sat with Mama Kaya towards the back. Kelsey was sitting at the front with her and Ryan's families. She was resting her head on her father's shoulder. Ryan's younger sister, Daniela, went to the pulpit to give her eulogy. She looked like Ryan. She was tall with dark hair and tattoos. Her long black hair was in two braids. How she had worn them as long as I'd known her. She got to the pulpit and looked at the crowd, and then looked down and closed her eyes. It looked like she was trying to not cry before she even started. She took a deep breath. My name is Daniela. Ryan was my older brother. Um, I remember when I went to my brother's eighth grade graduation and I realized he was the coolest person on earth. Girls kept coming up and asking him to sign their yearbooks and take pictures with them. All the guys fist bumping him and stuff. He was definitely cool. It seemed like he had some sort of inside joke with every person in the school. So at my fifth grade graduation, I made sure that he came and I showed him off to all my friends. He could throw us around with one arm, so we all thought he was pretty cool. Another cool thing, he taught me how to drive. Some guys cut me off and he rolled down all the windows and flipped them off, so that was pretty funny. After he did it, he said, don't do that, by the way. Everyone laughed. But don't get me wrong, the dude was audacious. But he was really good. He was as good as anyone can be. 
people always said we're a lot alike, but he's actually much, much better than I am. Another thing about Ryan, he loved Jesus. I remember when I was a little kid, he came back from church camp one summer and wouldn't shut up about it. He called all his friends on the last day of school to make sure they knew God loved them. I thought it was so annoying at the time. She chuckled for a moment, and then her lips trembled as she fought a frown. Ryan, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if it works like that, but tears were streaming down her face. I just want to say that I do love you. And a lot of the time, I just rolled my eyes and didn't say it back to you. I don't know why, but you kept saying it. I do love you so much, and I would give anything to have you back. I love you. I love you a hundred thousand times over. She ran off the stage and into her mother's arms and began to sob. Her father came and put his arms around them, tears streaming down his face. Mama Kaya left after giving her condolences, but I told her I wanted to stay for a bit and would walk back home. I sat in a back room with Kelsey, holding her as she sobbed. We stayed like that for a long time. By the time I did finally leave, the parking lot was almost completely empty. I walked quickly. I tried to stay strong for Kelsey, but there was nothing I wanted more than to just break down. I passed by Cal's truck. He was sitting in it, watching me. I walked faster. He climbed out of the car. We still hadn't spoken since the morning after Pastor Tom and Maya's wedding, a year and a half earlier. Loose, he called out. I stopped and turned around. Cal's eyes were red. He'd clearly been crying in his car. He cleared his throat and wiped his face. Cal, I said softly. I'm so sorry, he said, tears rolling down his face. I approached him and wiped the tears from his face, stroking his cheek. I'm sorry too, this is terrible, I said. No, he said firmly, grabbing my wrist. Cal, I'm an asshole. I'm so sorry. If something happened to you and that had been our last interaction at the hotel that morning, I... He didn't finish his sentence. Instead, he just embraced me as tight as he could. It's okay. That doesn't matter anymore, I said, rubbing his back and resting my head against his chest. New body. The woman let out a loud exhale and looked out ahead of her. Jeez, she said. He really died. So young, she asked. Every once in a while, I look in the mirror and I see that I've aged. And I can't believe he never did, I said.
But he has a new body now. A new body, the woman asked. That's one of our promises. God is going to give the Christians new bodies in the next life, I said. That's interesting, the woman said. I'll have to tell my father that. He has a prosthetic leg. Lost it in the war, she said. I knew the war she spoke of. 2025. That's awful, but I'm glad to hear your father survived. A lot of people didn't. My husband was drafted in the war, too, I said. You know, everything I've been telling you is just about ten years before the draft. I'm glad he made it, whoever he is. Me too. Before you go. I don't remember much from that Christmas break. It was a dark time. I remember being in bed a lot. I remember trying to be there for Kelsey, but she just wanted to be alone. I checked on Fred a lot, so did Pastor Tom. If he was going to relapse, it could have been then. But he didn't. That's all I remember. January came. I was packing my bags to head back to Alaska. I turned back to see Cal standing in the doorway. Mama Kaya must have let him in. His dark hair was messy and a little longer than usual. His eyes as big, blue, and boyish as ever. Hi, he said. What's up, Cal? I just wanted to say goodbye. I didn't really get a chance to properly do that, Cal said, his eyes looking everywhere but at me. Oh, that was... Nice of you, I said. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, I was in the area anyway, he replied. Oh. We were silent for a long moment before he blurted out. I don't think you should go back to Alaska. Oh? I mean, weren't you happy here, he asked. Yeah, Cal, I was, but I'm happy in Alaska too, I said. I too miss you guys when I'm gone and everything, but I just feel like I need to at least finish this next semester there, like I committed to. It's your last one, right? And then you'll be done with school, Cal asked. Yeah, then I'll be done. And then what? You'll come home? Maybe. I really don't know, I admitted. You know they would hire you at Nightly Baptist in a heartbeat, Cal said. That's true, I smiled. Okay, look, I'm gonna be here when you get back. I'm making good money at the accounting firm and I'm hoping to buy a house soon. And I'm just trying to say that I've changed a lot and, and I think that you should come back to Nightly after you finish the semester. I know I've been an idiot, but if you come back to Nightly, I promise I'll be good. Everything that has happened, I mean, it's changed me. Cal took a step closer to me. I don't want to lose you again. Cal, he pulled me into his arms. I really wish you were staying.
the last couple of weeks have been hell and now I have to say bye to you for five months after I've been a jerk and already lost the last year and a half with you, he whispered in my ear. Are you going to call me? I will. I promise. Lord, I think I might actually believe him. Is that crazy? Has it all been leading up to this? I know that anyone can change. I believe that. I need to finish packing now. I don't want to miss my flight, I said, pulling back from his embrace. I want you to miss your flight, he said, leaning against my desk. I laughed and gestured him out the door. He pulled me to him and kissed me as if he may never get the chance to again. My last semester in Alaska kept me busy. Cal kept his promise to call me the first couple of weeks. That didn't last long. But I didn't worry about it. I was busy too, so I understood. In a few months, we'd be together anyway. We would finally get a turn to give things a real shot. I received a letter from Theo while I was in Alaska. Lucia, I'm so sorry I didn't write sooner. I tried to call and text, but my signal has been terrible. I didn't know about Ryan until well after it happened. I'm not sure if you know, but I spent the better part of last semester deep in the mountains of Mexico. Signal was terrible, so I just turned my phone off. We were repairing a church that was burned down. But anyway, I'm so sorry. Please, let me know what I can do to help. I'm proud of you. And the work you're doing in Alaska, you should tell me about it sometime. Theo. I quickly wrote him back. I told him all about everyone I worked with in Alaska, about our constant prayer and worship nights, which I adored, and how I was the only one who could work a computer, which I didn't adore as much. I talked about Ryan, the funeral, about how Fred was doing so well, about how Cal wanted me to move back to North Carolina to work at Nightly Baptist. He wrote back something about growth in barren lands, adventures, and a distaste for conventional things. I didn't write him back. I finally graduated from college and returned home. My parents came down to watch me walk the stage. I accepted a job offer from Pastor Tom, director of children's ministry at Nightly Baptist. It wasn't something I ever thought I would do, but it was stable and it was in Nightly and I'd found reasons to stay. I'm 22 now, Lord. It's not bad for me to want that, right? And I think it's what Cal wants. And isn't he who you have for me? Isn't he? Cal? I think he's ready to settle down, Lord. I want to be the person he does that with. Can I? 
Pastor Tom threw a party to celebrate all the graduating students. He joked about how I had a lot to live up to in my new position because he'd been boasting about me to everyone. She'll be great, Kelsey said. She was different. Her short red hair was now grown to her shoulders and dyed black. She looked older. Kelsey had also managed to graduate that semester. She accepted a tech job 40 minutes away. She said it seemed like it would be close enough to visit, but far enough to pretend this place wasn't real. Fred walked up to the group. Hey, Damien is on FaceTime. He pointed the phone to me. I miss you. How's marine life? I asked Damien. It's all right. I wish I were stationed closer to you guys, though. They didn't approve my request to come visit this time. They kind of suck like that. But I wanted to congratulate you. I'm actually walking to work right now, he said, the camera moving with every step he took. Wait, I want to say hi before he goes, Kelsey said, reaching for the phone and headed for the hallway, leaving me and Fred in the gym. Cal walked through the door. His hair was neatly slicked back. He wore a blue button-up shirt. I smiled at the thought that he had dressed up to reunite with me. But then Allison ran up to Cal. He gave her a brief kiss and grabbed her hand. I'll be right back, I said to Fred before sneaking out the back door. I leaned against the brick wall of the church gym and began sobbing. I'm the stupidest woman on the planet, aren't I, Lord? Fred followed me out. Hey, don't cry. Fred put his arm around me. Is it because of Cal and Allison? Fred asked. I gave him a puzzled look. I didn't think he knew about that. I know he kissed you back at Pastor Tom and Maya's wedding. He told me. Fred explained. Did he tell you that he kissed me again right before I left back to Alaska? After Ryan's funeral? I asked. He said he was going to wait for me. He what? Fred looked at me with wide eyes. I just started crying harder. I'll kick his ass, Fred said, jumping to his feet. Freddy, stay here, please. That'll just humiliate me more, I said. Fred sat back down. What do you want to do? Fred asked. I didn't answer. I didn't know. You're too good for him anyway, Lucia. He just sailed for Allison because he got lonely and you were in Alaska and he's an idiot, Fred said. He doesn't know how to be alone. Look, just don't say anything. I don't want to beg a man who was with someone else. I don't, I also don't want to lose him or any of you. I'm finally back home for good and so many people have moved and I trailed off. He knew. I didn't want anyone to fight. And I didn't want to be mad at him. Not so shortly after Ryan. I didn't want to lose anyone else if I could help it. As much as I wanted to blame Cal, I think that was the real reason I came back to Nightly. And he couldn't be blamed for that. Whatever you want, but don't let Cal ruin your night, Fred said. Also, you look nice, so... There's that.
he added, wiping a tear from my face. I laughed and we rejoined the party. Cal acted as if nothing had happened. So I followed suit. I wanted to go down with as much dignity as possible. Douchebag. You're joking! The woman slammed her glass on the table. Cal was a lot of great things. Being with women? Not one of them. Not at that age, at least, I admitted. I've never heard of anyone so stupid, she exclaimed. Just wait. Microphone. Red dress. I liked my new job, to an extent. There was a certain sort of integrity to the Miss Lucia the kids called me. But I didn't love it. As the months went by, I started to realize that I knew I wasn't going to stay there. It was time for me to go. Somewhere far. I just didn't know where yet. I was enjoying my time with the Lord. I was content to wait on him until he showed me where to go next. To celebrate buying his first house, Fred threw a party. Everyone was there, including Cal and Allison. I knew what was happening the moment Cal took the karaoke mic and said, Allison, will you come up here for a second? With a big smile on his face. Allison walked up in her little red dress. She looked around the room with a confused expression. He got down on one knee. Will you marry me? She said yes. Swarms of people crowded around to congratulate them. I froze. Fred grabbed me by the hand and pulled me into the bathroom, locking the door behind him. I had no idea he was going to do that, Fred said. It's okay. I'm not upset. I'm happy for them, I lied. You've been in love with him for what? Four years? I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, I said. Lucia. I'm over it. I mean, what else can I do? I just want to move on, I said. I want that for you too. He squeezed my arm. I quietly slipped out of the party shortly after that and went home. I found Mama Kaya cutting a slice of cake. An eccentric prophet was on her TV screen, rambling on about rumors of war and plagues, surely making some offensive comments about international affairs. She shook her head and muted it. Midnight snack. You want some? I nodded. Tears streamed down my face as I took a bite. You don't like it? I knew I should have added more sugar, Mama Kaya said. I removed my glasses and wiped them on my shirt. I do like it. He's engaged, Mama Kaya, I said. Cal? she asked. I confirmed. You've spent too much of your life crying over that boy, she continued. I've always said you were special, you know, but don't get a big head because 
That's God-given, not something you earned. You just are. The Lord knows what he's doing. I think, deep down, you know you weren't meant to stay here. And that boy is never leaving nightly. I trust you, Lord. In the months that followed, things were normal between me and Cal. We never addressed the kiss. I started to think about leaving nightly a lot. I kept feeling urged to work abroad. I started to dream again, peering through eye holes. Show me where to go, Lord. Open the door. I felt that I would be leaving soon, but there was something that needed to happen here first. I just didn't know what, so I faithfully waited. Faithfully waiting. So what does that look like? The woman asked. What? Faithfully waiting? You said you did that. What does that mean? Well, I explained. I just kept being faithful in the little things, I suppose. Loving those around me, talking to God, being thankful, working hard, learning, all that. Bachelor party. Cal and Allison's wedding was scheduled just a couple of weeks after my 24th birthday. I received a birthday card from Theo. It had a letter as well. It was my first time hearing from him since graduation. We had given each other a warm greeting, but that was all. He left right after graduation to help a church plant in Mexico. In his letter, he told me all about his work there. They were in a small town hidden in the mountains. It wasn't on any maps and didn't have any real roads. It would be the first church in over a hundred miles of that place. He told me the Lord wouldn't give him any peace until he checked in on me. I wrote him back and told him some cute stories from the kids' ministry. I also told him how much I envied him how I'd felt for a while that God was going to take me out of this place soon. Out of curiosity, I did something I hadn't done in a long time. I logged on to social media. There was no trace of theology with Theo. He had apparently deleted his profiles a couple of weeks earlier, and everyone was speculating about it. I remembered the interview from years earlier. Theo said if he ever deleted his profiles, he was probably getting married. Of anyone I've ever prayed to be blessed and happy, he is the most deserving Lord. The night before Cal and Allison's wedding, I received a phone call around 1 a.m. from Damien. Damien? I asked with a groggy voice. I hate to ask this, but can you come downtown? Cal is having a meltdown. Hey man, keep your puke in the bag! I muted the phone for a moment to grunt, because I knew I couldn't say no. Not when it came to Cal Harper. Not ever. 
I pulled up outside the bar. Cal was sitting on the sidewalk. His head was down and he was sulking. He's freaking out about the wedding, Damien said. Bachelor party's gone south, Harry, one of his coworkers, announced, slurring his words. Uh, okay, thanks for that, Harry. Where is everyone else? I asked. Just us left, Damien said. We'll be in the truck, Harry added, strutting back to the car. I crouched down next to Cal. What's wrong? I don't know if I can go through with it, Cal said. Why not? I just... I feel sick and weird and I don't know. I'm gonna do something stupid. He hid his face. Do you love her? Yes. Do you want to spend the rest of your life with her? Yes. Then marry her, Cal. Hey, look at me, I said. Cal turned his head slowly to face me. His skin was pale, but his cheeks and lips were so pink. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go home with Damien and Harry and go to bed. Tomorrow, you're going to get really handsome and nobody will be able to look away from you. That is, until Allison comes down the aisle. You're going to get to marry the most beautiful girl in the room. The one you've been pining for the last several years. You'll have the nice, happy life with the pretty wife and kids and the whole thing. Cal nodded his head. I helped him up and walked him to the car. I'm sorry I flaked on you so many times, he groaned. It's okay. You got caught up in the moment and I just happened to be standing there every time. I get it. He tilted his head before puking next to the car. I'll let you guys take it from here, I called out to Damien. Screw up. So now he's going to screw it up with Allison too, the woman asked. Maybe if you quit interrupting, you'll find out, the bartender yelled. I hadn't realized he was listening. The wedding. I sat next to Jasmine during the ceremony. Her son, Rodney, was back at home with her new husband, Shang. They lived out by the beach. I watched the bridesmaids line up. Kelsey was one of them. She still had the same tiredness in her eyes that she'd had since the funeral. I wondered if there would just always be something a little different about her after Ryan. Maybe something a little different about all the rest of us, too. Fred and Damien both stood in the lineup for the groomsmen. I watched Cal take his place. The boys patted his back as he stood by Pastor Ryan. Allison glided down the aisle in a tightly fit silk white dress. Her blonde hair was pulled back into a bun. Cal watched Allison intently, seemingly without even blinking. It was unclear if it was a look of awe or of pure terror. You think they'll last? Jasmine whispered. 
I nodded. Pastor Tom began his spiel. Suddenly, it was my moment to speak now or forever hold my peace. My hands were sweating as I gripped the bottom of my seat. A million moments went through my mind. Tearful eyes, flushed cheeks, secret gardens, fast cars in slow motion. Those butterflies that had been making appearances in my stomach since I was 19 years old fluttered away for the last time. I thought for a moment that I might stand. Fred and I locked eyes. He shook his head very subtly. Nobody else noticed. I nodded back. I exhaled, and my hands let go of the seat. At that moment, the string that tied me to Cal all these years was somehow finally cut. Cal, however, was breaking into a sweat throughout the vows. Is he okay? Jasmine asked. Lord, please give him strength and wisdom at this moment. Do you, Calcifer James Harper, take Allison Marie Neagle to be your lawfully wedded wife, to cherish her in love and in friendship, in strength and in weakness, in success and in disappointment, to love her faithfully today, tomorrow, and for as long as the two of you shall live. Time froze, as it sometimes does. Cal and I locked eyes. He gave me a look as if to say, Should we let go now? I gave him a subtle nod, as if to say, Yes. I do, said Cal, followed by a sigh of relief and a big grin. I also sighed in relief. It was at that moment I knew the string tying Cal to me had also been cut. The reception was loud and bursting at the seams, and at some point during the reception, Cal and I locked eyes. He gestured toward the balcony. I walked out to find him leaning against the railing of the balcony, quietly smoking a cigar. Since when do you smoke? I asked. I don't. It's one of those fancy wedding cigars. Very classy. Congratulations, by the way, I said. Luce, I need to say this and then it needs to be buried and never brought up again, Cal said suddenly. Okay. Go ahead. I leaned against the balcony next to him. Last night, you said that everything we had, it was all because I was caught up in the moment and you just happened to be there. But that's not true. I know I screwed up and let you on and broke promises and that was terrible. I'm awful, believe me. I know, Cal said, trailing off. What are you trying to say? I asked. Just that I loved you, he said plainly but hardly more than a whisper. What? I won't say it again, he said, letting out a heavy sigh. I stared at him, gawking. And 
perhaps I still do and always will feel that for you, but you're headed somewhere I can't follow. And I've decided to stop pretending I can, he confessed. We both looked straight ahead at the stars, reflecting on the lake. We were quiet for a long moment. Hey, Cal, I said. Yeah, he asked. I'm getting out of Nightly as soon as I can. Well, I'd hope so, he laughed. I'll be here. So it was. Did he and Allison end up staying together? Yeah, they did, mostly. Divorced and then remarried. They're still in Nightly. Never left. They have a cozy brick house. Cal has his man cave and Allison always likes pumpkin candles, he says. They have three sons. Braxton, Hunter, and Caden. All terribly handsome, naturally, I explained. What about Kelsey? The woman asked. She started her own tech company. Does very well for herself and her family. Which, by the way, she started with Damien. A cougar! The woman exclaimed with a smirk. I laughed. Yeah, they have two kids. Damien stays home with them. Crystal and Ryan. The woman gave a sympathetic look. Nice names. Yes, well, they're really happy. Even still. He makes her laugh all the time, I added. What about Fred? Fred went to the military just before the war broke out and was in for years. Oh, I worried about him. That he would fall back. But he didn't. Once he returned home, he went to seminary, believe it or not. He now runs a recovery center, like the one he and Theo went to. He married Diana, a woman from our church. They eventually had a son, who is a therapist. That's actually why we're here at the hotel. His son, Jacob, is getting married. You and Fred are still friends. Best, I replied. And everyone else? Jasmine and Shang got married and raised Rodney out by the beach. They didn't have any more kids, but they're happy. We talk all the time. Rodney has kids of his own now, which is unbelievable, but it's true. I've helped them. And Rodney is wonderful. He's a doctor and married and they're happy. I showed her some pictures before continuing. Pastor Tom and Maya are great. They've never had any more kids after Damien, but they loved grandparenthood. Let's see. You know, my parents and Mama Kaya eventually passed, but they all lived for a very long time. I suppose that's all. The woman continued to stare at me. What? She laughed and leaned forward. I think you're forgetting someone, she said. Oh, right. Let's finish the story. The end of the story. After I sent Theo that final letter, right before Cal's wedding, he didn't write me back. He did, however, show up at my front door just a few months later. He was 
tanner and more muscular than before, and he'd retired the boyish curls for a shorter style. He showed up at my door with flowers, of course. Neither of us said anything. He handed me the flowers, but I dropped them and threw my arms around him. Okay, Lucia, I need you to listen to this speech. And it's crazy, and I know that, but please don't interrupt, because I need you to hear every word of this, he said. I laughed and crossed my arms. I'm getting deja vu, Theo. I deleted everything a couple of months ago. Every day I'm fading sweetly into oblivion. Why did you do that? I've wanted to for a long time. It's been beautiful and served its purpose, but I want to be unknown. To be small and make his name big. I realize that. I don't care if any person ever sees me again, except you. I want you to see me. I want to be with you. I don't have much, but everything I have is yours. And I would do anything, go any length for you. I promise, I already talked to your parents and they approve and so I just need to know, he said. Then he got down on one knee. Will you marry me? The beginning of everything else. Theo is your husband, the woman said with a tender smile. He's sleeping up in the room now, I replied. Oh, the bartender said, dabbing a tissue to his eye from the other side of the bar. So, what did you guys do next? she asked. We got married that summer. It was small. The important people were there, though, I explained. We were working hard as missionaries, and... Then I got pregnant just as the attack happened at the University of Pittsburgh, and the U.S. stepped into the war. He went and served, and it was hell. But the Lord was gracious enough to see him through and bring him back to me. While he was gone, I worked as an English teacher and raised our daughter in the mountains in Mexico. Shortly after he got back, we started planting churches, and we couldn't stop. Same with the children. We've had two naturally and adopted two. Melody, Sebastian, Donnie, and Kaya. The latter three all have children of their own now. I gushed as I showed the woman pictures of my grandchildren and children. We came to a photo of Theo. Even in our old age, she had to admit he was handsome. A silver fox, she said with a devious grin. Things turned out all right then, huh? The woman said, her eyes droopy. They did. The woman stood up from the couch and started heading towards the elevator. What are you going to do about Jeremiah and Dante? I asked her. I'm going to pray about it. What else? The woman said in a teasing tone. The woman and I grinned at each other one last time before the woman stepped into the elevator. I headed back to my room. As I climbed into bed, Theo woke up. Sweetheart, he said, rubbing his eyes. Are you all right? He asked. Yeah. I just met the strangest woman down in the lobby. She wouldn't stop talking, I said. He laughed and put one arm around me. 
He used the other arm to pull the blanket over us. He kissed my cheek and said, Good night, Lucia. Thank you for listening to Fast Cars in Slow Motion by Lynn Essie. Narrated by me, Elizabeth Somerville. Keep listening to the end for some parting words from Lynn. If you would like to support us in making more free and ad-free faith-based audiobooks, you can do so through Buy Me a Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash lynn.s.e, which is also linked in the description. Hey guys, it's Lynn. I first off just want to thank Elizabeth for narrating this book and Caleb for driving halfway across the country to handle the production side of things. This wouldn't have been possible without the two of you. And thank you, dear reader, for taking the time to explore the trenches of my mind. What I hope you'll take from this book is that with all the uncertainty that comes with coming of age, God is always with you. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says he will be with us even to the end of the age. We have all fallen short, but he loves you so deeply, he took on the form of a man and died on the cross for you. And he has risen. Accept him so that you can be healed. This gift is freely given to you. And then prepare to embark on the greatest adventure. I will warn you, God seldom chooses as man would. But does that really matter when you have him? May you always run to him, your safe haven. Love, Lynn S.E.